It's important to be thinking about forgiveness here because willingness to forgive and be forgiven has been identified as one of the most important characteristics contributing to high levels of marital satisfaction and longevity. And we've talked about that in previous episodes. We've we've talked about how like you don't have to forgive, but there are studies done that if you do forgive, it might help out your state of being and your relationship satisfaction. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about resentment. Now, that may sound like a bummer of an episode, but our hope with this episode is instead to offer some potential solutions and ways that we can avoid resentment being a toxic force in our relationships and in our lives. Because if it's not something you're aware of or you just try to ignore and assume it will never happen, it may be come up and get you like a monster of some kind. So in this episode, we are rethinking resentment and going to look into that and how we can avoid it. I'm trying to think of what would be the fantasy creature that resentment is. Like I was trying to think about mm-hmm. what is there a fantasy creature that starts with R? Ooh, rhododendron. Rhodo, the resentment. <laughs> so fantastical creature. <laughs> Uh, the resentment some sort of bird of prey, maybe Ooh. a rock. Oh, like a rock. Okay, rock's good. Roach is yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Oh, you like mean, it would do you mean a, a rock, like a rock? Yes. Rock. That's what oh, I mean. Not okay. like a not like a rock on the ground. Like not a, like yeah. a yeah. rock. Like Emily gotcha. said, a bird of prey. Mm. Wow. Did mm. you know that in Wikipedia there's a whole list of legendary creatures separated by the alphabet? Huh. Okay. So oh, what wow. are the R ones? Oh, oh, there's a lot. Let's see. Oh, we could do the Japanese word for dragon, which is a du. Oh, good. The good. resentment of du. There's there's a bunch of Native American mythical creatures. There's a oh, they put reptilian humanoid on this. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. That's not a monster. Ooh, no. ooh. Okay, this is from Lithuanian culture. The Ragana, which is a malevolent witch. Ooh, I like that. I like that. The Ragana. So what happens? Yeah, the Ragana resentment. Yeah, okay. I, like I like that. that. I like that. Okay, I'm into right. it. There you go. Uh, okay, resentment. Just before we even take the dive into what everybody else says, what do the two of you say? What What is resentment? How do you know that you're feeling resentment versus your everyday garden variety anger or, or irritation or sadness? I feel like it tends to last longer than a bout of anger or you know, a little snippy moment with your partner. It tends to last maybe a few days or even a few weeks if it gets really rough. And Mm -hmm. also something that I think that it is, is that it takes a lot of energy. It's a perpetual Mm -hmm. feeling that it's almost like you are continuing to stir the pot internally into a resentment stew, as it were. Yeah. 
how many images can we attach to <laughs> resentment? Okay, now yeah, they, oh, a witchy, a witchy, okay, witchy brew. Is good. Now, based on that yes. description, though, <laughs> I do like also on this list from medieval folklore is the Revenant, which is a reanimated dead, like a zombie. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's more appropriate. Like it yeah. keeps coming back. Yeah, actually, I think that's great. And they okay. both have re at the beginning yeah, of them. Yeah, so that, yeah. that makes sense. Okay. The resentment zombie or the resentment revenant. Uh-huh. The resentment revenant. That sounds good to say. Yeah. 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 I was going to say that, yeah, resentment, it, it's like, it's not just one thing. It's almost like a bunch of layers mm. that have kind of piled yeah. on top of each other so that it's just, it's built up to this point where it's like easy to dwell on it and any little thing will just make you go from like zero to 60 in terms of being upset, being angry because it's like that resentment's already there. It's like, I already assume this person wants to hurt me or are actively out to get me or just kind of, it's like so built up. It's like, it's like when you have a gong and you're kind of warming it up. You're like hitting it gently with the mallet, right? So that it's vibrating a little bit. So then when you get to the part of the song where you want the big, that then you just hit it and it goes because it's already vibrating and it's ready. Oh, I Instead didn't know of if you just hit a gong, a gong Neither did I, but Jace is <laughs> the one who went to music to pr- conservatory. Yeah, so. you had to prep a gong. Yeah, yeah you yeah, kind of warm knew? it up. You got to like turn it on a little bit. Yeah. Next time, next time you watch an orchestra or something that has a gong, Watch, watch that percussionist back there. Before they're going to do it, they're sitting there kind of warming it up, just cool. gently hitting it. So you can't hear it, but it's like ready to go. So then you... Okay, nice. all right. I like this. Okay, resentment is a witch's brew. Resentment is a gong. Resentment is a zombie. Mm-hmm. I like this way of defining terms. We should always do this on Multiamory. Yeah. Okay, great. Different <laughs> images. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I took a deep dive into what are all the various ways that resentment gets defined. And it's interesting. There's definitely some common themes, but from all the different sources I pulled, these definitions are a little bit different. So what I pulled from a Psychology Today article says, etymologically, resent has come to English from French and originally from Latin, composed of the prefix re or re plus sentir or or sentir, if you want me to say it like an American, which in French means to feel. Some etymological dictionaries interpret the re or the re at the beginning of it as an intensifying prefix, but re literally means again. Mm. So people who feel resentment experience an insult again and again and again for years sometimes or for decades. Few English words for emotions carry such negative connotations. Wow. Yeah. I mean, resentment, when you say resentment, like I react, it's like, yikes. Mm. It's a strong one. Is this, no, it's not a four horseman or is it a four horseman? Ooh, no. Uh, it's like the horse feed. Yeah. Maybe the stonewalling horse eats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Resentment is tasty oats for okay. the yeah, four horse, horses and, and their men. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. For the, the horses of the apocalypse. Uh-huh. Here's another definition from WebMD. Resentment describes a negative emotional reaction to being mistreated. There is no one cause of resentment, but most cases involve an underlying sense of being mistreated or wronged by another person. Experiencing frustration and disappointment is a normal part of life. When the feelings become too overwhelming, they can contribute to resentment. Yeah, and then here's a definition or a description from Psych Central. And this is a quote from an article there that says, Further back, Nietzsche developed a broader notion of resentment and considered it something that arose out of powerlessness and the experience of dehumanizing abuse. 
Historically, resentment has been connected to frustration, contempt, outrage, animosity, and ill will. And it has been linked to relative deprivation, which refers to the perception that someone is worse off than other people one compares oneself to, leading to feelings of frustration and obliteration. Wow. That last yeah. word surprised me in that quote. <laughs> there. And then I also wanted to include, there was a really cool take by one of our patrons, actually. So I did post in the patron group asking people about what triggers their resentment, what situations they've been in that have triggered resentment, and then also how they've handled it, which we'll talk about in the back half of the episode. But I really liked this one from one of our patrons. Quote, I think resentment is basically anger in debt with compound interest over time. If I'm annoyed about something and I'm able to express it straight away, then the situation is rectified and I won't continue to feel anything. But if I feel I can't express that for whatever reason, the debt of resentment builds up and will absolutely poison things if not addressed. So I really, I like that as well, that resentment is also your student loan and also a poison. We're just adding all the imagery. Yeah, wow. We don't get uber political on this show and yet there is sort of a political angle to definitions of resentment and sort of like how we view resentment, especially around, I think, times of going to the polls and listening to politicians talk about each other in a mean way and, you know, trying to bring up all the things that like the last politician did shittily and that you should feel bad about it and that you should, you know, choose me because I'm not going to do those things that perhaps you're resentful towards this other politician for. Yeah, there's and there's also, you know, some of this episode was a little bit difficult to research because the fact that there's a lot of scholarly articles specifically about the ways that politicians will leverage resentment in the sense of like class resentment or Mm, racial resentment or Mm -hmm. migrant resentment, you know, economic resentment, all those kind of things that it's also an interesting ingredient in our political system as well right now. So this is from Psychology Today. They said, people tend to apply resentment to the feelings that less power in- powerful individuals harbor toward more powerful ones. Anger that may have accumulated for years because it cannot be directly expressed. And this is kind of interesting because calling anger resentment turns social failings into individual ones. And they're essentially shaming people when they object to unfair circumstances, which is kind of shitty for these politicians to do. But I think it's a, it's a way, as you said, to leverage this kind of political gain or manipulation. Yeah, and this, this is another nuance to our definitions of resentment that we, we don't go into too much in this episode, but that there can be sometimes a little bit of a dismissal when we label somebody's emotion as resentment as opposed to anger, that sometimes there's a little bit of invalidation hmm. attached to the term resentment, that there's almost this implication of, oh, they're just holding on to a grudge for no reason. Yeah. It's not really valid anymore as opposed to having more intense anger in a particular moment. Yeah, and on that note, this is from Tragedy and Resentment by Ulrika Carlson. And it says, Indeed, my characterization comes close to that of Matt Sheeler, who takes resentment to be the result of an inhibited vindictive urge or suppressed indignation at an experience of injustice. For him, resentment is a phenomenon found primarily among those who suffer political oppression. Such people must suppress their anger because their society does not provide any normative framework or practical forum wherein they could hold their oppressors accountable. 
Resentment thus becomes, according to Sheeler, a self-poisoning of the mind, an anger fueled by a grievance that builds up as it cannot be discharged in personal revenge or accusation and retribution of some official institution. And I mean, I think we see that just everywhere, right? Like both on the public stage and on the internet all over, I think big and small, this sense that there's so many systems that don't actually deliver a sense of justice or a sense of fairness to us. And therefore, all that resentment and anger just like builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and and often explodes multiple times over and over and over. So of all those definitions and descriptions, we can see some common themes where we can start to piece together our understanding of what resentment actually is. You know, like you said, Emily, there's a part of it where it's about it lasts Mm -hmm. over a long period of time. It's not just in the moment. There's some sticking power to it. It seems to be recurring in nature, something that just keeps coming up over and over again. Often the seed of it is a real or perceived unfairness or injustice or imbalance, or it could be in response to a real or perceived mistreatment or wrong. And it seems like there's another thread in common here that it seems to be linked to suppressing emotion or you know, either the resentment itself gets suppressed or it's the result of having to suppress other emotions like anger or like frustration. I would go so far as to say that I'm willing to bet that there's a piece of resentment that bears some similarities to how we deal with trauma as well. That I know that often when there's traumatic stress, often a side effect of that is this sense of coming back to the traumatic stress or the memories of it or the the seed of it over and over and over again, having a hard time letting it go or moving on from it. And it seems like there's something there with the resentment as well. Interesting. Yeah. Well, let's talk about how resentment shows up in real life. It can show up in things like recurring negative feelings, an inability to stop thinking about the event, just returning to it over and over again, feelings of regret or remorse, maybe regret for yourself or regret that, you know, you chose to stay in a relationship with someone, for example, or chose to, you know, even allow that person to be a part of your life or or treat you in a certain manner. Yeah, that there was one of our patrons in response to my questions who did mention feeling self-resentment, which yeah. I thought was really interesting, you know, which I guess is an offshoot of feeling that sense of regret or remorse around one's own choices, perhaps, or circumstances. It may also manifest as fear or avoidance, uh, or maybe even like a tense relationship with a significant other, where perhaps you feel like you're walking on eggshells or just... Things aren't really copacetic between the two of you. It's going going in a challenging direction. Uh, maybe feeling invisible or inadequate. And then finally, an inability to let go of anger. And I kind of said this again. I, I think that I have my own personal biases when it comes to this term resentment. Uh, because I think that personally, I'm like, you know, it just sounds like a lot of energy and time and, you know, held space for perpetuating this idea that like I'm going to continue to be upset over something and I'm going to, you know, maybe it'll color the way in which I treat my partner or I even exist with other humans or something like that. And I think that it can still be a very valid thing to feel, even if maybe my head initially goes to, oh, I don't want to like be in that space personally. Like I need to just like get over something or move past it or change my circumstance with another person in order to like not get myself to a place of resentment. But I don't know. There there might be 
negatives and positives for feeling that way. Yeah, and we'll definitely get into that. And that's it's good for you to point that out because I don't want anyone to think that we're saying resentment is always a bad thing. Yeah. Sometimes it can be a very, very helpful thing, but we'll get into that a little bit later. I wanted to ask the two of you of you know the times that you've experienced resentment yourself, or maybe you've been on the receiving end of somebody else's resentment. Like, How has that looked? How has that felt? Yeah, like a lack of, I think, touch or... I mm. uh, sweetness or intimacy, perhaps. Yeah. And then, you know, again, like having somebody be angry at me for a week or a couple weeks. And even after like maybe apologies were made or stuff like that. And it's right. So again, like sucks. that protracted, elongated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why I think I, I don't tend to do that, but I've had people in my life who do. And so that's why I think I'm on the end of just get over it or like deal with it instead of, mm. yeah, like it perpetuating that resentment internally myself. For me, it, when I think about it, it reminds me of the Gottman's term of negative sentiment override, where basically once sort of resentment is there, it's kind of no matter what you do, it's going to be perceived negatively. Like if you do something neutral or make an honest mistake that it's perceived as intentional and and malicious. Uh, and I've been on both sides of this, right? Like mm -hmm. I've experienced relationships where it's kind of, and it's generally right toward the end of that relationship, uh, in my experience at least, where it's like kind of no matter what I do, there's kind of this assumption that I've done something bad by doing it. And, and then also I've been on the other side where it's just kind of like the other person can't do anything right because I've gotten into this kind of cycle of resentment. You know, my... My gong is vibrating. It's all primed. And so all it takes is a little to, to go. <laughs> I think, yeah, the, the perceived versus real is something that in, in so many of these things that we talk about on this show needs to at least like be looked at to some degree. And it's not saying that your feelings aren't valid or that whatever you're going through isn't a reality, but that there are always like two people who go through life, you know, together that, that perhaps like bring resentment to a head. And I don't know that, it, that you may perceive something in a fashion that it wasn't intended or something along those lines. And so I don't know. I mean, it's just something to be aware of, even though I'm not saying that what you're feeling is invalid because yeah, it might be. but, but I think it's just that thing is that like both real hurts and perceived hurts can still cause very real emotion. Yes. At the end of the day. Of course. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about it, right? And that's why in psychology studies, they'll often met, like talk about things just as being perceived. Hmm. And that it's when you're writing then the article for the public that you have to put that real or perceived because when it comes to our brain and our psychology, it still is real. Well, there is nothing but perceived. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That's all we have. Right. We only get the reality that we perceive. There is no absolute reality that we can understand. So it's always perceived. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether that's, quote, true or not. And even like that concept is sort of. Yeah, that, that quite starts apply, right? taking us to like multi philosophy. That's true. <laughs> One of our yeah. many offshoot podcasts <laughs> yeah. where we can really take a deep dive into what is the nature of reality actually. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, when I think about resentful behaviors, it makes me think about passive aggressive communication. Yeah. You mm, know, because yeah. that's the whole point of it, right? Is I feel like I have to suppress or there's some reason why I can't communicate the way I feel or why I can't ask for what I need, but it still needs to get out somehow. 
And so it comes out in a passive-aggressive way. It makes me think of when I was reading Eve Rodsky's book, Fair Play, about division Mm. of household labor. She makes this argument that if you're feeling hesitant about talking to your partner about household labor, or if you feel resigned or feel like, no, it's not going to help anything. It's not going to change anything. I don't know how to talk to my partner about this or make requests about this. She points out, the thing is, you probably already are just in a really bad way, in a very passive-aggressive way. You know, when you go to do the dishes and you're like angry and sighing and stomping (laughs) around in front of your partner, but you don't say anything, like you're still trying to communicate what you need, just not very effectively. And so you can do that in more effective ways as well. We've all been there. Everybody, I'm raising both to double everything. I've been there so many times over. Yeah. So in the questions that we put out there to our patron group was also some questions about what are some real life examples of circumstances that might trigger resentment. And so, you know, this just to quickly go through this includes things like half truths or lying or outright lying, miscommunications or assumptions, not feeling heard. Again, like the line between miscommunication and assumption and half truths and lying Really all depends on your frame of reference there. Feeling like you're being taken for granted or your support not being reciprocated. Uh, feeling manipulated. Feeling powerless or feeling like you don't have agency. I think there might be a relation here between regret and resentment. That if you feel like you made a choice that you regret because of someone else, it can lead to resentment being directed toward that person. I know this has come up a lot, both in in people I know either having had this happen or wanting to avoid this situation where, say, your partner gets a job that means they're going to need to move to Florida or something and you don't live in Florida. It's this, well, on the one hand, I could say, I really don't want you to go because that's honest and I don't. But on the other hand, I don't want them to not take this opportunity and resent me for it. Hmm. So I could see that kind of being tied into a lot of these. We also have jealousy and envy. So something like I see my or found out that my partner did something with someone else that I've been wanting to do with them and they haven't done with me. Or when extra care or attention or accommodations are made for someone else, the metamor of mine and not made for me. Or even just not feeling like a priority. I've, I've seen couples where resentment can come from how much someone like goes out of their way to help and be there for their family members, like their brothers and sisters, but not for their partner in the yeah. same way. And I've also seen the opposite of like, this person's so generous with everyone except their family or things like that, right? And kind of seeing that resentment come out of that. And then expectations not being met, like not honoring time commitments or rescheduling. The time management came up a lot in the answers to this question. And... And then I guess also just like when I I feel like I'm saying something and nothing changes, like we have conversations and nothing changes, like we're getting stuck in this rut and that can lead to that. And I think it's related back to powerlessness, right? Of that feeling of like, well, everything I'm doing isn't working. And so I start to develop this resentment feeling. Yeah. So let's talk about what the research says. And again, it is a little hard to find studies on this topic, not because it hasn't been studied. It's been studied extensively. It's just a it's a very broad emotion to study. And there's a lot of discrepancies about what are we actually looking at here? Are we looking at trauma? Are we looking at anger? Are we looking at sadness? Are we looking at strife? Are we looking at, you know, are we looking specifically at politics and things like that? So I'm going to read from 
an article written by Antoniana Contreras writing for Psych Central. And they're referring to the facial feedback theory of emotions, which suggests that our facial expressions not only are the result of our emotions, but also they can influence our emotions as well. And they said, resentment doesn't show in our facial expression in a generalizable way, the way that our primary emotions do, like sadness, fear, disgust, joy, things like that. Even when it's rooted in anger, in anger, strong facial emotions, which is universally experienced. I've observed many people manifest resentment in an almost imperceptible way, as if they're hiding what they feel. I wonder if resentment is really an emotion or an emotional process in its own right, since it needs to be uncovered and dissected before it can be dissolved. And I think that lays out the foundation of why it's a little bit hard to study is because there is some debate about... If there's layers to it. Yeah, there's so many layers to it. What actually is it? It's still a little bit confusing, seemingly a little bit unclear from a research standpoint. it, It, Like I said before, it really does take two to tango. Like so much resentment can happen from one person doing something and then that causes the other person to do something and you get in this like resentment cycle almost perhaps yeah so, and, and by the way yeah. this research about the whole facial expressions <laughs> you love causing emotions not just being caused by them is something i became fascinated with years ago and like mm-hmm. kind of went down a rabbit hole several years ago about that it's it's really interesting stuff yeah so now we're going to talk about resentment forgiveness and attachment style So there was a study published in the American Journal of Family Therapy in 2017 called Can't Shake It Off, Attachment Moderates the Link Between Hostility and Forgiveness. And this study was primarily linked to hostility in relationships, which is the intentional means used to convey frustration, anger, and feelings of being upset by one's partner. And the study's authors define resentment as such. Benevolence is the ability to forgive. And resentment is the inability to forgive. Ooh. Yeah. It's important to be thinking about forgiveness here because willingness to forgive and be forgiven has been identified as one of the most important characteristics contributing to high levels of marital satisfaction and longevity. And we've talked about that in previous episodes. We've we've talked about how, like, you don't have to forgive, but there are studies done that if you do forgive, it might help out your state of being and your relationship satisfaction, et cetera, et cetera. Episode Not always, 342, if you want oh, to go check it out. There you 342. Go. That was Jason's episode. Well done. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Even even in that like first little segment right there that we just talked about. Yeah, but I think kind of the, the key parts there, right, is that they use this term hostility and that just means like intentionally trying to communicate frustration, anger, or being upset. Right. So they don't quite clarify whether that's how healthy or not healthy those ways are, but it's like I'm actively expressing the fact that I'm mad or frustrated or upset. It all just comes back to communication. Like that's all that we're trying to do with one another, even though we do it in like bad ways, honestly. (laughs) Uh It's like, it's like I feel bad and I don't know how to say that I feel bad. And so I'm going to do it in these like passive aggressive manners and be resentful of you. The end. Yeah. This study uh, was a questionnaire-based study. It was given to 257 participants. And we're going to go over some of the things that they found. So one is that they found forgiveness tends to become harder to do. It becomes more difficult as the intensity and the duration of the hostility increases. 
I thought that one was interesting. And I'm assuming this means harder to forgive the person who was hostile. That like, And that makes sense, right? It's just like the, the more mad they were or the longer they were mad for, it's harder to forgive them about it. This also could come the other way. Like the longer I was expressing anger about it, the harder it is for me to forgive. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one they mean here. They also found that high hostility is correlated with lower levels of relationship satisfaction. Not really surprising there. Uh, poor relationship outcomes, which I'm assuming they just mean breaking up by that, but again, I don't quite know how they defined it. And then poor health outcomes, which this relates back to that episode 342 where we talked about forgiveness and not forgiving and harboring resentment can have some negative health impacts there. And then also, okay, this one. So individuals who perceive receiving, again, perceive because that's all that exists. Doesn't matter if it's real or not. It's always a perception. Individuals who perceive receiving more hostility from a partner were much more likely to be higher in resentment toward that partner. So I guess that kind of answers my question from that first one there. It's like how intense and how long the hostility was from the other person is more likely to make you resentment and it's harder to forgive. And then the interesting part is they also were looking at attachment style and how that influences this. So they found that partners who were higher in avoidant attachment were also less likely to benevolently forgive a partner, particularly in perceived instances of hostility. So if you're more avoidant, you're less likely to forgive in the face of a partner being hostile to you. That makes so much sense. Yeah. But they also found that the the relationship between (laughs) hostility and feelings of resentment was moderated by anxious attachment tendencies. So it suggests that partners who are in a relationship with a relatively low level of hostility are more likely to feel resentment after a hostile interaction if they're more anxiously attached to their partner. Damn it, Dedeker. like (laughs) speaking a lot of truths right now. (laughs) Does that match your lived experience? (laughs) Yes. Right, so just to clarify that, first one we were talking about is avoidant attachment is less likely to forgive a partner particularly in hostility, and now this is about anxious attachment, mm-hmm. is that more even, likely to feel resentment after? Yeah, even if there's a low level of hostility in the relationship, if there's an instance of hostility, the anxious attached person is much more likely to feel resentment God, from yeah. that singular instance. However, they also found that the protective effect of a more securely attached relationship was not present in the context of receiving large amounts of hostility from a partner, which also makes sense. If you're securely attached, it doesn't matter how securely attached you are if you're being a big old jerk all the time. Or if they're being a big old jerk to you, even yes. though you're a securely attached person. Yeah, yes. okay. Then you're still going to feel resentment, as you should. I guess that goes back to what yeah. Jennifer was saying earlier. <laughs> uh-huh. It's like, sometimes it's not like this feeling is always bad, right? There are times when this is an important message that your mind and body are telling you. This is a quote from the study. The findings from this study suggest that clinicians with clients who are struggling to forgive their partners may do well to assess levels of insecure attachment to see if insecure attachment could be playing a role in the difficulty to forgive. And that attachment-focused treatment modalities could potentially be effective treatment options in these cases. Interesting. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. There are limitations of the study. Much of the present sample was homogenous in areas of gender, sexual orientation, relationship status, race, age, and student status. As usual, it's a bunch of like white it's students. A bunch of college students. It was a bunch, bunch of college of white, students. Yeah. The age range was a little bit wider. It was like 18 to 44. Oh. 
So nice. Okay. I, I don't. I didn't see what the distribution on that was, but at least that was the range. Yeah. So I just feel like I. I don't know. Is there? A, we we should come up maybe not on our listeners' time. We should come up with <laughs> a term that's just shorthand for yeah. The study was limited, so that we can just drop that in, so people know the whole the whole gist, and then we can a point out any time. As it were. Yeah, maybe making a microscript around it. And then we can point out any time where it's like, oh, they actually found a quite diverse sample this time around. But right. we'll workshop that one. Yeah. Or and what if they were monogamous we, people? And they were all monogamous people. Yep. Or they, through that lens. Yeah. Correct. I was just going to say, what if we went the opposite direction? And instead, like we often do whenever we're talking about TV shows or movies, we take a little aside to talk directly to the researchers. We'll just go, hey, you know, Dr. Whoever... Just wanted to let you know that you know these are some Do limitations, better. and I think you should work on that for next time. <laughs> totally, it's sort of like grading a paper, right? Like, oh, needs good. improvement the, the, in these the, areas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll really appreciate that. From yeah, us. yeah, yeah, they'll love it. <laughs> we three chuckleheads. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're going to take a quick break to talk about the ways that you can help support this show, help keep this information coming to everybody for free. And then once we get back, we'll be talking about what we actually do about feelings of resentment. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store, and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. And we're back. And this half of the episode, we're going to be talking about, okay, great. What do we actually do about resentment? It doesn't feel great. Not a lot of people enjoy that feeling. And so do we fix it? Do we not? Does it mean something? Are we broken if we feel it? The first thing to bear in mind is that, as we've said earlier, resentment can be a double-edged sword. Of course, it can drain life out of you. It can drain joy out of you. But it could also be a useful signpost that's pointing you toward areas of dissatisfaction in your life or in your relationships that can be addressed or maybe some past harms that can be mended. So again, 
if you're feeling resentment, it doesn't mean you're a horrible, awful, toxic person. It's not your individual failing that you're feeling resentment. It's just often it's trying to tell you something. And you can feel resentful and love at the same time for somebody. It's not always just one or the other. Wow. Okay, so let's start with the first approach we'll talk about, which is the preventative approach, aka nip it in the bud. What is nip it in the in the bud? Because I always think of a sexual type thing with that. No, no, is that not it? Okay, it's like flowers or something. Yeah, like you have a bad weed that's gonna grow, and so you nip it in the bud, right? When it's budding, you're just like, no, no, not even let it grow. Okay. It's about being a good gardener of your heart. Okay, that's better. Good. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. So, that's the list of images for yeah, resentment. Okay. All right. So if we're going to garden De-weeding. our heart. So arguably, the best approach to avoiding resentment is to create an environment and good practices that discourage those feelings of resentment from starting in the first place. Right? So to go back to communication, like Emily said earlier, it's all about communication. Uh, so, all back. <laughs> truly is. so, so the, the first one of this is just proactively addressing relationship issues when they arise or making intentional plans to address them regularly, such as a regular monthly check-in, like a radar or something like that. This kind of goes back to what Dedeker mentioned from the book about household chores of that thing of like, you might feel like you don't want to talk about it, but you're already communicating about it, but in an ineffective way. So being more intentional and proactive about that. And at least for me, doing it at a regularly scheduled time instead of trying to do it in the moment is just 10 when billion times better. <laughs> it's just so, such a better way to go about it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, make an effort to speak up early. And that doesn't necessarily mean right in the moment. It could. It could be like, I'm going to speak up right now when something happens, and maybe you can just nip it in the bud, as we say about gardening. (laughs) Maybe you could just do that right then and it'll be fine, but you could also save it for your next radar. But it's still like within a relatively short period of time. You're not waiting years of getting upset about this thing. So, you know, make a note of it. Make sure that you bring it up next time you talk about it. And then part of that, too, on the other side is making yourself a safe person for your partner to come to and express things to you honestly. So, you know, working on, and we've talked about this on several other episodes, but about being, you know, being someone who can take some criticism or some feedback without immediately getting defensive or reactionary. Again, making yourself this safe person that they can bring that to. Even if you ultimately disagree, at least being a safe person to start that conversation with. Yeah. So something else that can help prevent resentment from arising in the first place is just following through on your promises or your agreements. And part of that is also not making promises or agreements that you cannot sustainably uphold. And that can be a little bit tricky. It requires being a little bit real with yourself, with your own limitations on time, energy, willingness... It can be related to your own personal boundaries. So things like saying no or renegotiating something instead of just always saying yes to every single ask or every single obligation. Um, Brene Brown even talks about this. She says, compassionate people ask for what they need. They say no when they need to. And when they say yes, they mean it. They're compassionate because their boundaries keep them out of resentment. 
when we don't set healthy boundaries, we're easily ticked off by other people's requests and expectations. We don't know how to say no. And then we begin to feel resentment towards the other person and blame them for triggering the feelings in us. Oh, Dedeker and Brene Brown just like throwing the truth bombs <laughs> no, all Emily. over the place. Emily, no, I know you've talked a lot about about, you know, in the past saying like, yes, 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 yes to everything. But you've also, I mean, there's been a lot of growth there. I think both I from what so. you talk about and also what I think I've seen from the outside. Thanks. It, it may be in, <laughs> in not great ways, but perhaps that's the first step is just being able to say no in maybe not as good of a way as you would. It's better than just being resentful. And then the next step is learning to say no in a healthy way and creating boundaries. I think that's a good lesson. I heard I heard an interesting story related to this, not even in a romantic relationship, but it was, so this woman was telling a story about how she was organizing a retreat for people. And so, and she was really overwhelmed at this time and really stressed and just like felt like there was so much she needed to keep track of. She was with, you know, her assistant or someone else working with her at a grocery store. And you know, buying supplies for this event and the person bagging it, like as they pulled out the bag, it like ripped a little bit and they kind of like sheepishly looked up, but like kept putting stuff in it. And she said that in her head, she immediately spiraled into this like, oh gosh, I'm so stressed out. I need to like remember to remind the person picking up this bag that it's got a rip in it. And so, it, you know, it might fall and, you know, kind of like all this, like I've got to manage this thing. And then she said like, right while I was in the middle of this, the other person who was with me said, oh, hey, that bag has a tear in it. Could you get a new one? And they were like, oh, yeah, no problem, and did it. And she was just like, oh it like God. melted her brain, where she was <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, there was this really simple solution of just asking for someone to help me that we... didn't even occur to me. was not even in my realm of reality of what I could have done in that situation. So many of us do that. We, like, create the hardest, mm-hmm. you know, solution for ourselves to a simple yeah. problem. Wow. Because we're afraid to ask for someone to do something for us, even if it's so minor and inconsequential like that. Yeah. Like for them, right? It was huge consequence for you, but this really small consequence for them of like, oh yeah, cool, I'll grab another bag. So when we're nipping things in the bud, we should be beware. Beware of unspoken expectations. And this is particularly important for non-relationship escalator folks, but I think I think it's important for everyone. I use that relationship anarchy smorgasbord, which was multi-amory episode 339, just so that, you know, you have it all out on the table on your smorgasbord about what it is that you want and don't want out of this relationship. What are the things that you're willing to bring? What are the things that are like off the table? Because otherwise, there may be expectations that you're not aware of. And then that kind of spirals out of control and gets you into a potentially dicey situation. This is from Jennifer Halbrick, writing on Medium. She said, unspoken expectations are preconceived resentments. When you expect something but don't voice it, you are likely frequently disappointed. When this happens repeatedly, that disappointment turns into resentment. And also from them, you and your partner don't have to wholly accept one another's stated expectations. However, voicing them is always the first step in establishing a mutual understanding. Negotiations or compromises can follow this until both parties are in agreement. It's only then that they can be met. So yeah, I, I, I think also it's really important to express appreciation and love for your partner in a way that lands for them. A lot of us 
we'll do it. It will, you know, express things like that in a way that will land for us. And we expect that it's going to land in the same way for them. And that may not always be the case. And so I think learning each other's love languages, what really makes your partner tick and what what makes them excited and happy, that's very important in terms of expressing love and appreciation for them. And yes, we recognize that all of this is much easier said than done. But I think just being aware of it can help. And hey, you know what? To help you out with this, we made this podcast called the Multi-Amorous Podcast with a whole ton of episodes that are all trying to trying to help with this problem because we go through it too, right? This isn't just easy. It's yeah. not like, oh, I learned that. Now I have no problems. It's like That's why we've been doing this podcast for seven years. So what if the resentment is already there? What if I'm already steeping in it like a fine tea? Like a, You're like probably I'm oversteeped already, that yeah, tea. Yeah, I'm already stewing in it like a witch's brew. Now, are you... You're the water in this analogy? No, I think you're the tea no. bag. Y- yeah. Yeah. Wait, no, but I thought you said you're steeped in it. Yeah, you're steeped is, in it. I does think the you're tea more bag like a... steep in the water or does the water steep with the tea bag in it? The chicken no, or the I... egg, Jace? I don't know. <laughs> See, I was thinking more... I'm like a carrot in a stew. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But like a, a witch's stew that no one wants to... No one wants to eat. Right. Okay. Resentment stew. Resentment stew. Yeah. You and got you it. are a carrot. Yes. Okay. Got it. Then. Okay. Well, first things first (laughs) is, again, I don't want to encourage anyone to just invalidate themselves right away. You know, I think like you talked about Emily that sometimes there's it's 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 hard to do a balance, right? Because on the one hand, like you don't want to hold a grudge, you don't Mm want to waste all your time and energy just holding on to the anger, but also at the same time, if there's something really important going on, you don't want to just throw that in the garbage. So, I think the first thing first is to ask yourself: Is this feeling trying to tell me something? If this feeling had a voice, what would it say? Is it prompting me to some kind of action? Sometimes feelings of resentment can get worse if they're also being suppressed or denied on top of that. And so it's important to acknowledge your feelings, maybe even try labeling your feelings. You can check out our episode 348 to talk about different ways of putting your feelings into words. And I think that's going to give you some clues to see if you need to speak up about something. Ideally, once you're feeling more calm and collected and maybe have some clarity by asking yourself some of those questions. Maybe you've already done that. Maybe there's even already been a resolution between you and your partner. Or maybe you're just in a situation where there just is no resolution. Unfortunately, sometimes that happens. I think especially, for instance, after maybe a bad breakup where you don't get to have the closure talk that so many people think is going to solve all their problems or solve their resentment, Hmm. or you don't get the apology from them that you were hoping and you're just there with the resentment. So we have a couple of tips specifically from a Lifehack article for releasing resentment. Yeah. So the first of these is kind of appealing to your own logical brain. And that is to make a list of all the reasons why holding this grudge or holding on to this resentment isn't going to help you. Right. So it's stuff you can go back and listen to our forgiveness episode about this. We've also talked about some in this episode. But basically, if you're harboring anger and resentment or hatred towards someone else, it negatively impacts a lot of areas of your life. Right. It can have health impacts. It's distracting. Right. You're constantly preoccupied with it. You know, I think this list would be fairly easy to come up with but can still be helpful as kind of a reminder to yourself. 
to sort of get yourself in that mindset of like, right, wait a minute, I'm, I'm hurting myself, not them by by doing this. And also, if you're in a non-monogamous relationship, you could potentially be hurting your other partners. Yeah. Or even if you're monogamous, you could be hurting other people in your life, you know, sure. your friends, your coworkers, because you're holding on to this resentment for someone else. Yeah. And then, okay, so you've created this list of reasons why holding on to this won't help you. And then you make a list of reasons why forgiveness could help you. So just being willing to consider that option. And just to reiterate some stuff we talked about back in 342 is that forgiving does not mean letting someone off the hook. It doesn't mean making excuses for them. It doesn't mean going back to how that relationship used to be or letting them continue to do this thing. It doesn't mean any of that, but it does have to do with this letting go of the feelings you're holding on to and finding that forgiveness for yourself to let go of those negative things that you just made the list about a second ago and to, to be able to let go of that for yourself. Another thing is to avoid complaining to other people because sharing your anger with other people over and over and over again is going to fuel more of that resentment and more of that frustration. Now, I think this is different if you're sharing with a professional, for instance, if you're sharing with your therapist or your coach or your counselor that hopefully there's someone that can help you look at things maybe a little bit objectively, take a deep dive, maybe ask some of those questions about what the resentment may be trying to tell you. But I do think that this is a little bit of a warning sign. I know that when I think about a lot of my past relationships, when it got to that point where I don't feel like I can express my frustrations to my partner and have it be received. And so my only option is to then just call up and vent and complain to everybody else that that's often a sign of, like, you know, maybe a little bit of a red flag that something needs to different needs to happen. Yeah, maybe the difference between I'm talking to this person because I want their help making a decision versus I'm just venting. And we yes. all know yeah. that difference, right? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. I'm not going to do anything about this besides vent about it, but that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you can also try to look at the issue from the other person's point of view. This is another good journaling exercise while you're here making lists of reasons why holding the grudge isn't going to help you and why forgiveness might be helpful to you. That you can also do a, a practice of writing out what's the other person's point of view on this if you were trying to be as objective as possible or maybe as compassionate and generous as possible, what might they be thinking and feeling about the situation? What might they be wanting here? And then the last one here is to accept that people aren't perfect and talk about easier said than done. But I think something that's interesting is the fact that we really struggle with this concept of forgiveness and when is it appropriate and what does it actually mean? And the reality is that we both give and receive forgiveness literally every single day in our human relationships, often for very small things, for like the small imperfections that our partner has or that our mom has or that our best friend has or the times that they get under our skin or the times that we get under their skin. Like we are constantly in this little, maybe even micro forgiveness pattern that is just mm. a part of human beings. And so sometimes connecting to that and connecting to the fact that you're not perfect and this other person isn't perfect could be helpful as well. So finally, we asked our Patreon community what helped them release feelings of resentment. And here's what they had to say. They said, validation of the feelings, the feelings of the other person, if they're resentful towards you and maybe validation of your own feelings, if you are resentful towards another. Also, acknowledgement of harm done and then apologizing for it. 
just time in general, time heals all wounds, as they say, maybe not all, but some. And so maybe just sometimes healing that resentment is time. Also, things like going back to love language, which I briefly touched on, but, you know, it doing things like touch or cuddles or, you know, time together, or maybe telling someone how great they are and how much you appreciate them, things like that. Journaling, which Dedeker just went over quite a few journaling exercises. So that's something that you could do. Also, asking the person uh, that you feel resentful towards for you know, what you need and what you want, asking them, can you do these things for me? Are there, you know, ways in which we can sort of change this outcome that seems to be happening over and over again? And where can we shift the narrative? Yeah. Also, again, with the the dishes thing, right? You're huffing and uh, puffing doing the dishes. Maybe try asking in a more concrete way and see where that gets you, or at least see if that starts down a road towards something more productive. There you go. Also, conscious acceptance of what a partner can or will offer. Because, yeah, they simply, some partners may not be able to do everything that you ask of them. And that's okay. But I think that's where compromise comes in and acknowledgement of like, okay, these are the things that I feel like I can really do. And let's start there and and see what happens. I feel like sometimes that's even really helpful and liberating. It's just to get a clear answer from your partner of like, no, I'm not willing to do that mm. or I can't do that for some reason, that it's like, okay, maybe that's not the answer you wanted, but... At least I can, know. <laughs> right, it can't help avoid this resentment. It's like, oh, they're not doing this. I mean, depending on their answer, but you know, they're not doing this, not out of some like taking me for granted or whatever, but this is like something they consciously don't want to do. So maybe we can find a different solution or maybe I just stop expecting that and I get that somewhere else or, you know, it really depends on the situation. But that can be really powerful, even if the answer is no. Yeah. And going to therapy or a counselor or a coach, something like that can definitely help release feelings of resentment. And then, yeah, giving yourself some sort of treat or something that you need, a pampering day, perhaps a foot massage, (laughs) anything like yeah, even, I mean, gee, is like I, I had a lovely weekend alone for the first time in months and months and months. And I just like had some chocolate and wine and mm. watched a movie I wanted to and got in the bath and it was awesome. So <laughs> I would recommend stuff like that. I also sleep or any of the things on halt. Like we talk about halt all the time, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, drunk, any of those things address that because perhaps those are things that you need in that moment. I definitely get more resentful and more just sort of down in the dumps emotionally in general if I'm really, really tired. So perhaps address that. Oh, it's so huge. huge. Yeah. Yeah, sleep is huge. And then finally, ending the relationship. As we say on this show over and over again, it's okay to break up. And sometimes that is the thing that is going to release the resentment or at least help you move past it to a degree. Maybe the two of you just are not right together and you can't come to a compromise that is beneficial for both of you. And that's okay. It's okay to suppose Maybe as a callback to our episode from last week, it could even, even if it's not breaking up, maybe it's not living with this person. That's true. Right? Maybe it's yeah. like, hey, we're not the best fit for living together, but we're great in all these other ways. So let's just actually address that. But that takes a lot of communication and being intentional. Yeah. So what did we learn? Resentment is a zombie. 
Resentment is a witch's brew. <laughs> Resentment is a roll of tasty oats for some horses. Resentment is a gong. That's all mm. warmed up. All warmed up. Yeah. 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 We got just got to find ways to to release those reverberations mm. into the air and put those oats to better use. Feeding some right. rescue horses. Yeah. Oh. Instead of the horsemen of the apocalypse of relationships. Yeah. Rescue horses. That's great. I like <laughs> Love that. It. Love okay, it. folks. So. In our bonus episode, we're going to be talking about kind of a wackadoodle study from the 80s about resentment and shame and laughter in particular. So stick around for that if you're one of our patrons. And this week on our Instagram, we want to hear from you. What triggers resentment for you? You can find that on our Instagram stories. The best place to share your thoughts about this episode with other listeners is on the discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeka Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanetta. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowork and Carson Collins. Our researcher for this episode is M. Mays. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.